Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. My husband and I were hiking to a small lake off of a logging road in Colorado. It was a very short out and back, about four miles total and we were the only car in the small dirt lot at the trailhead. The trail followed an old mining road and had a steep incline on one side and a granite ridge on the other. We both felt very off, but foolishly kept on hiking, eager to see a remote lake. At one point my husband saw a shovel leaning against a tree on the granite ridge, but chose not to tell me. Before the lake, the trail narrowed and led us through a thicket with the lake on the other side. Right before the thicket, we stopped in shock, the dirt trail was completely torn up and there were man-dug holes. They were large holes, and about 1-2 feet deep. We should have turned around immediately, but again wanted to see the lake on the other side of the thicket. So we walked around the holes, got to the lake, and paused to take a few pictures. We weren't going to bother relaxing at the lake because we were both very unsettled by the holes. As we turned to leave and head back through the thicket, we both stopped and looked at each other. The look we exchanged confirmed we both smelled it, cinnamon gum strong enough that the person chewing it had to be close. There was a little wind, and turning around after the lake must have blown the smell our way. We silently walked back through the thicket, and back over the holes in the trail that now seemed much more ominous. The hike back was a terrifying two miles. My husband, six foot three, pulled out his foraging knife, and I did too. I also pulled out my bear spray, I keep it around for people more than bears when hiking alone. We both assumed our tires would be slashed when we got back to the parking lot, but thankfully they were not. Once we were safely away from the trailhead, my husband told me that he thought he saw someone tracking us from the granite ridge line on our way back. The lesson, if it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't and you should leave. Hiking in the Umpqua forest with my boyfriend and dog about three years ago. The road we lived off of ended in logging roads, like most in southern Oregon. We found a cool trailhead with a parking lot and thought we should check it out. About a mile into the hike the trail crossed a stream. Louis our dog, ran ahead of us and then came bolting back past us. This freaked both of us out really badly because we've seen him run up on mountain lions and big bears. He is a big boy and grew up in Humboldt with literally no fear of animals. He's charged a wild horse in Mexico. He was shaking like panic attack with his tail between his legs. He wouldn't go back over the creek and was insisting we go back to the car. Every once in a while on the trail he would turn around and look behind us and wait until we had walked past him. If it scared him that bad, I never want to know what it was. A friend of mine was horseback riding in woods with family when one of them thought they spotted a arm sticking out from behind tree. They rode over and discovered a dead woman propped up against the tree and beside her someone had begun to dig a grave. The police ended up arresting the woman's husband who had his wife's body and truck toolbox for a couple of weeks before he decided to bury body. My friend and his family spooked the man mid-dig and he was watching from a distance as they discovered his dead wife. They asked him in court what he would have done if the group would have rode up on him in the act and he said I would have made the hole bigger. Okay, so this happened when I was around 14 or so, 1999 or 2000-ish, and I lived in southwest Georgia at the time outside of the small town of Moultrie. I was at my buddy's house for the weekend. We will call him Joe. So some random other teens that were a little older than us show up to Joe's house, allegedly running from the cops after they stole a parent's car and wrecked it in a ditch. They came up on us on foot, so the story might be true, I'm not sure. They wanted to go camp out in the woods to evade pursuit, so Joe and I say F it and go with them. 
We borrowed Joe's dad's tent and started walking off into the fields, woods. Given this area is not super isolated but there was a weirdness to the air that I cannot describe. We go maybe a mile or two back and set up camp 50 yards away from the turnaround, end of a dirt road. There was five of us guys, including me and Joe, and I only remember one other dude's name, which we will call Mike. The names don't really matter, but I'm just adding any detail that I can recall. Anyway, we f around in the woods for a while. We started a fire and ate some snacks. We didn't have any drugs except for a bottle of booze small enough that not any one of us could get drunk off of it, but we share sips anyway. Night comes around and we've got this six-person tent for us. I can't say if I ever fell asleep or not, but I laid down with everyone and it got late. I'm not sure what time exactly it was, but likely late night, early in the morning, I begin to hear footsteps in the woods some ways out. I heard this walking in the woods. At first I'm like, it's an armadillo, if you aren't aware, they can sound exactly like a person while foraging for food, but no, the steps are approaching out camp directly. So at this point, I am WTF and hard and without moving much because I'm terrified, I look around to see if the other dudes got up and I missed it. Nope. Five dudes in tent. My blood freezes and there's no sound outside except this thing walking and it's now right outside our camp. As I attempt to breathe without making a sound, either a very pointed finger, or a knife slowly starts from one point on the tent outside and drags, very slowly, across to the other side. So, I promptly shit myself and hold my breath. The walking sounds stop about three feet on the other side of our tent and they never start again. Daylight slowly fades in. The steps never returned. I have this dazed feeling as if I've been up all night as sunrise happens. One of the guys gets up and slowly others do too, so I get up. No one is talking but everyone looks exhausted. Eventually, one of us asks the others did you hear that shit last night? Apparently four of the five guys were all awake during this invisible stalker and we all like WTF. The three guys who were running from cops, allegedly, say they want to call a friend to pick them up and go score some pot. They leave Joe and I at the camp to guard their shit. Hooray! Now I'm paranoid at this point, because I think there's some guy out here waiting to gut us, but I only have a small pocket knife on me. I take it out as they walk down the road to call for a ride. Joe and I are sitting on this discarded door that someone ditched, on the edge of this dirt road turnaround like a pair of jackasses when we start hearing the walking sounds again, but across the road on the other side in the woods this time. We see no one and nothing there. But it's daylight now, so I'm like. May, it's an animal. This dirt road goes off and curves to our left and the sounds approach that slowly, at the same pace as before. The sounds stop, we are looking at the road, absolutely nothing there and the sounds pick back up on the other side of the road. Now, I'm scared. I notice Joe has his head buried in his knees like an ostrich burying its head in the sand, and since I'm shitting my pants for the second time in the past 12 hours, I also put my head in my lap. I also place the pocket knife in open and hold it closely. The steps are now slowly circling me and Joe, to say that they went kinda behind us at that same slow pace. They get directly behind me, but maybe 30 feet away. They slowly walk up to my back, my spine tingling more and more the entire time, I'm pouring sweat and as they approach directly behind me, I jump up and swing this little baby pocket knife around like I know what I'm doing. Time slowed down during this little bit, as I am swinging the knife at a puff of air, the car with our other three guys is coming around the corner of the dirt road to pick us up. Joe and I run to the car and jump in. The three dudes ditch everything we had at the camp. No one asks Joe and I what's wrong, but I could tell they were looking at us and knew something else happened. Joe and I never said a word about it. I was coming to a point where two trails merged and out of the corner of my eye I saw someone slowly moving off trail about 50 yards away. I was about 5 miles into a 10 mile hike so we were pretty far into the woods. When they saw me, 
They stopped and leaned against the rock, just staring at me. I quickly pulled out my bear spray and kept hiking. Unfortunately, the trails parallel each other for a while before going opposite directions. I kept it moving pretty quickly, but I was sure the man was going to pop out in front of me for a long time. Nothing happened, but a man doing who knows what, Stopping to stare at you from a distance while you're hiking alone in the middle of the woods is definitely an unsettling feeling. Back when I was younger, I did some survey work for a logging company in Alaska. As I was fit and liked to hike, they sent me in first to check out the terrain and figure out the best ways into the area they wanted to harvest. I always traveled light. Just a backpack with a US Army mess kit, some MRS, a few spare clothes, a fire kit, a bivouac sack, an axe, a knife, some bear spray and my late granddad's revolver. I also used to cut me a nice thick hiking stick. With all that gear packed, I set out on foot. The first night was largely very quiet and I got a good night's sleep. Only one time I woke up to what I thought was the wind rustling through the trees and I didn't think much of it. The next day I arrived at the designated logging area and started to do my work. Around noon, I started to get that eerie feeling of being watched. I had had this feeling before, but I always blamed my imagination for it. Well, it grew more and more over the day. Right when I was about to set up camp for the night, I heard some rustling in the brush again and caught a glimpse of something big huddling out of sight. Needless to say, I skipped setting up the camp and booked it out of there. I walked about 10 miles until I was too tired to move on. The feeling of being watched had stopped and I deemed it safe to set up my camp. I woke up in the morning and the first thing I saw were bare tracks of what I think was a huge grizzly going all over my campsite. I have never broke up the camp this fast again. I made sure my revolver was loaded and within arm's reach at all times and kept my bear spray at the ready on the way back, but nothing happened anymore. I told the logging company about my encounter and they said they will take the necessary precautions. A few months later, when the logging operation was in full swing, a worker was attacked by what was later described as a huge male grizzly bear. A year or so later, Hunters in that area shot one of biggest grizzlies I have ever seen and judging by the size of its paws, it could have been that very bear stalking me on that hike. My mom and I were visiting family and staying in a cabin at my uncle's ranch. There's a main house, a bunch of animal pens, fields, a dog kennel, and then the guest cabin across the lot from the main house. There are other other homes nearby, so it wasn't super remote, but we were surrounded by forest, mountains, and fields. So, middle of the night, my mom and I are sleeping, and we both wake up because there's suddenly a really strong, weird smell permeating the cabin, we commented that it must be a skunk. Also, both of our dogs sat up and got restless but didn't bark or make any noise. I was having trouble getting back to sleep with the smell and getting the dogs to lay down again, so I went outside to have a cigarette. It was nearly pitch black out, but I could see my immediate area from a dim porch light. I was leaning against my car, and I started to hear someone walking across the gravel. From the sound, I presumed that the footsteps originated from the forest area behind the barn then walked through the gravel parking area and turned toward the cabin. I thought it was weird that whoever it was seemed to have passed by the kennel, and the dogs weren't making any noise none of the animals were, but I figure it had to be my uncle or one of my cousins out doing something. I was curious what they were doing out so late at night. I was tracking where the footsteps were from the sound as they were getting closer and just waiting for someone to walk near enough that I would see who they were. I almost called out, but decided to wait. Eventually. I saw what appeared to be someone wearing a hairy, brown coat walking toward the field next to me. So, this is where it got weird. It was getting closer and about to walk by me, parallel by about 6 to 10, feet. It was close enough that I realized that what I thought was a person in a hairy brown coat was actually the bottom half of a large creature on two legs. The bottom half, 
two legs and hindquarters, was about the size of an average adult and appeared brown. The top half, that I could only barely make out in silhouette, appeared black. I couldn't tell how tall it was in the dark. It just walked by and into the field that was next to the cabin. The gate was not open, I checked the next morning, so it would have had to step over it to get into the field. I kind of registered what I saw, thought that I should probably be freaking out, but I just went back inside and back to bed. I did a little walk around the property the next day to make sure all the animals were there and unharmed, but I only told my mom about the experience. We ended up coming back the next month, and she told my aunt and uncle about it then. I fully expected them to make fun of me for talking about Bigfoot, but my aunt asked for some clarification and said that her sister had told them about seeing something similar. My dad is a massive nerd and alien enthusiast. He would always talk to me about the probability of the existence of other intelligent life. As a child, I was equally fascinated but never really scared, always wondering about my own chances of maybe meeting an alien. At the time of my encounter, I was 7 or maybe 8 years old and had never really known about abductions or aliens being scary. To me, they were just something neat because of how my house is situated. I always figured that it would be difficult for any visitors, so to speak, to find good parking because the terrain was very steep with dense pine forests. I live in a small town in Colorado, and my house is in a valley on top of a hill closely wedged into the side of a mountain. My street is extremely quiet, and there are only three homes that are very close to my own, and they are all vacation homes, so they were usually vacant. There are no lights on my street, and it gets basically zero traffic, so there's never anyone around other than my own family when this all happened. I still shared a room with my sister, who was notoriously a heavy sleeper, known to sleep through fire alarms, thunderstorms, and everything. Meanwhile, I was a very light sleeper. At some point, I began suddenly feeling extremely scared. This feeling of fear and dread became a regular occurrence, happening once, sometimes twice a week. I was never a kid who worried about monsters under the bed or in the closet, so it was weird that I suddenly started feeling like there was something else in the room with me. At night, I would hear the door handle turn, followed by strange chirping sounds that would stop as soon as I moved. The sound scared me, and I began sleeping completely under the covers, making sure none of me was exposed to the outside world. Soon after, I began sleeping like this, I would feel something tapping the covers. Oftentimes, the tapping and chirping happened together, and like always, stopped if I moved around. Now, Anyone could chalk this up to the imagination of a seven-year-old, and that's what my parents thought, and honestly, sometimes I wonder if that's really all it was. But then, I think about one particular night that makes me nearly certain that there was something other than my sister in the room. One night, my parents went out for dinner and hired a babysitter. It was a very normal night, and the sitter was super nice. She read us a bedtime story and actually ended up falling asleep herself. She was on my sister's bed, which was in the middle of the room, and my bed was up against the wall that had the door to go out of the room. Because the babysitter was there, I felt safer, safe enough to sleep with my head above the covers. I was still a little scared, so I struggled to fall asleep and ended up staring at the wall for quite a while. It was at this time that I felt a sudden fear an impending doom. The door handle turned, making its little sounds as the door was slowly pushed open. I was paralyzed with fear, too afraid to move and hide under the covers because I thought the sudden movement might put me in danger. A tall, white thing slinked into the room. It was around 7 feet tall, super thin, its skin sort of translucent, and had a greenish-gray hue an extremely muted version of the glow of those glow-in-the-dark stars that you put on bedroom ceilings. Its head was in a super dramatic angular teardrop shape, more of a really long, slight pear shape, still rounded, super sunken in with defined bone structure and heavy shadows. Its eyes were like empty voids, no reflection or obvious dimension, 
they really just seemed like large holes in its face, empty sockets. There were no visible eyelids, a small narrow bump for the nose, and a small undefined slit where the mouth was. Its arms and torso were very thin and long, but I couldn't see its fingers from where I was. It moved very quickly and fluidly, going right to my sister's bed. It stared for a bit, maybe confused by the presence of the babysitter. It simply watched, moving around the bed ever so slowly. I was horrified. I wanted to scream and run and hide, but I was too scared. All I could do was stare as it circled my sister's bed. After a couple of minutes, it left quickly, making its way back to the door, slipping out of my room, closing the door as it left. It paid no attention to me during the entirety of the encounter. When it was out of the room, I heard a couple of chirps quickly followed by silence. At this point, I was finally able to bury myself under the blankets, where I eventually passed out. My sister and I never got hurt, and I don't think they ever did much more than observe. I'm certain that my sister didn't even know because she was such a heavy sleeper. In hindsight, I think it was mostly interested in my sister, and I don't feel its presence in my room very often since we stopped sharing rooms. I'm not really sure what it was. I don't feel like it 100% fits the common gray description, but I feel like it's similar enough. This experience I had still affects me today, and while I don't suffer from any crippling fear or PTSD, I still occasionally get really scared. I still sleep completely under the covers, and I always make sure I have a flashlight with me under the covers, just in case of an emergency. I really don't think there was any malicious intent with this thing at all, but I'm scared anyways. I wish I could just brush it off as an overly active imagination or sleep paralysis, but I don't think that's what it was. I still occasionally hear the chirping and feel the tapping. I wonder why it visits. Sometimes, I think it just likes to check up on the kid it saw every once in a while. Maybe one day, I will muster up the courage to try and confront it if it's ever around. Last summer, I quit my job as a professor, we rented out our home, and used that income to move into the woods of Southern Oregon in our fifth wheel. My husband has a good job and I freelance. One of the ways I contribute to the household is working as a camp host three days a week in the RV park we live in, in exchange for free rent and utilities. I usually just make reservations, but it means I get to spend some time outside talking to others. There have been a few spooky events happen that I wanted to share. I don't see too many RV park stories here so I was hoping others would also have stories to share. Mysterious flute playing. Our park is in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the woods. A small hill towers over us one one side, covered with impenetrable trees, and a river is on the other. At least three times a week we hear what sounds like a flute or recorder playing for an hour or so at a time. Sometimes, it comes from the deep woods, sometimes from the river. I brought it up to a resident who has been here since 04, Pat, she strongly advised me to ignore it and not mention it. Scraping sound at night. I posted this on another sub and it was removed because the mods believed it to be fiction, but it's not. About once a week I hear a scraping sound dragging along the ground through the park, towards the deep woods. My husband has heard it but no one else. Interestingly, the park ring alerts me that someone is standing in front of the office when I hear this sound, but the camera doesn't pick anyone up. Because I hate the ring going off when cars drive by, I have it set to where someone needs to be standing on the office porch to generate an alert. Late night caller? We regularly get calls after dark asking us for a space for the night at the last minute. I take their credit card over the phone and use a map to direct them to a space without leaving my trailer. The park owner, Debbie, explained that she didn't want me having to help any late arrivals after dark. In fact, she makes it a strict rule that we're not allowed to answer the phone at all between midnight and 6 a.m. Discussing this rule with Pat, she said something about how careful camp hosts need to be about who they invite into the campground? Random things. I'm in charge of selecting long-term residents if we have any open spaces. 
I review criteria such as applicant's job, size and age of their rig, etc. While children are welcome to visit the park for short stays, no one with kids is allowed to move in on a monthly, yearly basis. Debbie hasn't ever given me a real reason for this. The park was built by a woodcarver. There are massive and strange-looking totems, sculptures, carved doors, etc., all over the property. This all being said, our park is a slice of heaven. I love taking my dogs to swim in the river, watching wild mushrooms grow, listening to the sound of the rain with just a thin roof between us. Also, I feel very safe here. I'm becoming more open to the idea that the woods can just be weird in some ways I don't always get. I'd love to know your thoughts about any of these blurbs or hear your own RV park stories. I saw the creatures that lurks in the desert at night. Hello, to start this story I want to say I have not seen anything like this in my life, at the time I was 15 years old pet sitting a friend of mine's dogs, while they were out of town and in Benson, Arizona is where this took place. This property had a lot of acres and it took about 15 minutes to get to their little house right in the middle of probably about 75 acres. At the time it was about I want to say 10 PM my friend had 8 dogs and they usually stayed outside for the most part because they were big watchdogs who seemed to have been able to defend themselves in the past. Before everything happened I was inside their tiny home making food and when I heard her biggest dog start squealing kind of quietly, very scared and in pain but loud enough for me to hear I knew the sounds were unusual this dog was making. I shot up and ran outside to see what was going on. I thought maybe the dog might have hurt himself or something similar but this was not the case. And I ended up seeing a 5-6 foot tall pale very skinny creature hunched over this dog sucking on his head. I was very stunned almost too stunned to speak but I managed to shake that feeling off. I start yelling at this thing because the dog started yelping loud and I'm telling the creature to get out of here and trying to scare it. And I run over to her dog as fast as I could because I've heard of these things before. Perhaps a chupacabra? And I know they would likely eat the dog if I didn't do something, but I stop about 10 feet in front of it to see this creature jump up and run as fast as it can away. I couldn't help but keep looking over my shoulder the rest of the time I was there. I also didn't let those dogs out at night and I didn't care to go out there either. So when my friends came back, I told everyone what happened and what I saw. It felt like everyone was just as frightened as I was and made me even more unsettled. I ended up leaving the dessert and did not look back. Still don't know what to make about it to this day except I know it was something demonic. I was talking with my stepmom about late night driving experiences, and she told me about an encounter she had in Leroy, Montana on a road trip from Washington to North Dakota. She was on Route 87 and running low on gas. The Fort Benton exit had a lot of construction going on, and she couldn't see any way to get to the gas stations from the exit ramp, so she got back on the highway. After a while, she saw an exit sign for Leroy, Montana, and it said there was gas and food available. She took the exit and saw another sign reading Leroy 5 miles. At this point, they had no service and were relying solely on an atlas. The road took them through a dark wooded forest, and after a while, my stepmom realized the odometer had gone up 15 miles, and they still hadn't found any sign of a town, but she kept driving and waited for her friend, who was holding the atlas, to say something. After a few more minutes, her friend spoke up and said she thinks they passed Leroy somehow, and my stepmom agreed. They found a wide shoulder to turn around, and as they were pulling off to make their turnaround, they both had an image flash into their heads, a man, standing in the middle of the road. Neither of them actually saw him in real life, but both could describe the man in exact detail. He was tall, with a brown flannel, and what looked to be a scythe, broken in half, with the handle wrapped in a white, bloody cloth. He also had a thick scar across his forearm. While that by itself is weird enough that my stepmom planned never to go anywhere near the place again, for the next eight months, she received frequent phone calls from Leroy, Montana. 
After my own research, I've come to find out that Leroy is a ghost town, unmarked on Google Maps unless you specifically search it up. My friends and I have already planned to go to Leroy over spring break this year to see if we can't find anything. Posting this here to see if anybody else might have seen or heard of anything similar in the area. Or any insight as to what might have happened. Strang encounters while living in a tent in the Pine Barrens. I was homeless for a few years from 18 to 21, and I used to stay in a tent with my ex. I always had to end up moving my tent spot eventually because the cops would find us. Either way I had spent a lot of the time in the woods at night. One night when walking back to my tent, I heard something down the trail a bit, I shined my light in the direction of the sound to be met with glowing eyes reflecting my flashlight. However, where the eyes were made it so whatever I was looking it was taller than me and I'm 5 foot 8. There is no animal that tall in my area. I turn to my ex and tell him to start going to the tent faster. He could tell something was off, so he asked if I was alright. I told him I'll tell him when we get to the tent, because I have always been told not to acknowledge such creatures, spirits as it gives them more power. Then some nights there would be smacking on our tent. It would hit all the sides of the tent. We would look out the tent windows and check outside the tent, but we would never find anything or hear any footsteps. Another night, during the summer, we had decided to go for a small hike at night because it was way more of a tolerable temperature. About 15 minutes into the hike I had started feeling paranoid, like I was being watched. About 5 minutes later, I heard a maniacal laugh coming from somewhere in the woods, I couldn't pinpoint which direction though. My ex asked what was that, and I loudly said, I don't know but whatever the F it is needs to stop. As soon as I said this, multiple maniacal laughs now started, my ex and I turned around walked back for what felt like the longest 20 minutes. Another time I found a severed coyote head with something hung in the tree beside it, that had a tooth in it. And lastly, one time I was with my friend parked on the road far into the woods, so we could smoke. The passenger window was down, which is where I was sitting. The woods were right next to me. Again the feeling of being watched overwhelmed me. Two minutes or so later I hear a hello and then John? Coming from the woods. I tell my friend to turn around and we need to leave. I didn't tell her why because like I said I don't like to acknowledge these things until I'm far away from them. When I was 12, we moved from Alaska to North Carolina. My mom didn't fly, so we bought a tiny camper and camped for two weeks going across Canada. We were having trouble with the brake lights, so we found a campground and pulled in. No one was at the gate to check us in, so we just parked close to the gate, thinking we'd pay once the host arrived. The first thing I did was take off on my bike around the loop. I noticed that every camper had a car beside it, but no people. There were no people anywhere. I rode back to get my mom to go to the bathroom with me because I was creeped out. My mom loved anything scary and also loved trying to scare me. There was a door in the bathroom that looked like it was like a janitor's closet. She flung the door open dramatically and screeched, trying to scare me only to realize it wasn't a closet but a set of stairs to a dark nowhere. She slammed the door closed and we got out of there. Back at the camper, my mom was telling my dad about the door to nowhere and he said that the toilet flushed beside him while he was in the bathroom, but no one else was in there with him. We had two dogs with us, and they would stretch their necks up and sniff the air and whine. It's getting to be dinner time, still not one person, and my mom starts making up a story about how the campers are vampires and they wait for new campers to come and then they eat them. I shit you not as soon as the sun went behind the trees. Everyone came out of their campers. We packed up and got the hell out of there. It was back in 2003. I was in the panhandle of Florida at a state park during the week. No one was there. I started walking on a trail and everything got really quiet. This was about 5 minutes later. I started getting nervous. 
I closed my eyes and saw a Native American chief, who didn't speak but basically told me to leave immediately because I was unsafe and this is what would happen if I continued on. I pictured in my mind police finding my car in the parking lot a couple of days later and then finding me later deceased near a river which was on the trail. Someone had put two bullets in my head and I was also severely beaten. My fear turned to terror. I realized that if something happened to me no one would know I was there. I couldn't get out of there quickly. I ran out of there and went out of the parking lot on two wheels. I was shaking with fear. I believe if I had continued walking, something bad would have happened to me and I never would have come out alive. I was unnerved for a while after this happened. I never heard of anyone being harmed in that state park but I heeded the warning. I don't have any Native American ancestry, so it was interesting that this Native American chief appeared to me. In southeast Georgia along the Altamaha River, I've had Sasquatches come in real close to my campsite and behave aggressively twice. I've never seen them, but once I heard them chatter. Before the hollering started and they got in really close and were breaking big branches knocking trees and making a serious ruckus. Scared the shit out of me. Second time I didn't hear them approach they just got in close and yelled and broke trees, the third time I just heard the hollering in the not too distant distance. Not backwoods but I live in a very rural area. Not many houses around, mostly just woods, fields, and the occasional cow. I was out in the yard with my dog just getting him to do his business before bed. It was around 9 pm in the winter, so already dark out. As I'm waiting for him to find a spot to pee I hear the sound of wind chimes coming from the side of my house. What left me feeling unsettled is that we don't own any wind chimes. I had no idea what it could be, and I did not stick around to find out. Back in the 80s I was camping with some high school friends deep in the forest about 10 miles down this old logging road. We were far away from anyone and anything, and drinking around a campfire. We were fooling around when suddenly we heard a massive, loud, and deep roar, howl, scream from the forest. It stopped all the fun dead in its tracks. We didn't want to drive because we'd been drinking so we put the fire out and spent an uncomfortable and sleepless night in our cars. Back then there weren't supposed to be any bears around here though I had seen one on the other side of the county a few years before. But I've never heard a bear make a noise like that. You could tell by the echo that it wasn't very close, but it was so loud it sounded close. It wasn't anything like the typical roar of a bear, more like a high-pitched scream or howl with a huge bass rumble underneath it. The echo seemed to last forever. It only happened once. I know we didn't drunkenly imagine or exaggerate it, because we had a boombox and were recording us telling each other jokes. The roar was so loud it distorted the microphone on the boombox. A while back I ran into the guy who owned the tape. We were both still mystified about what that could have been. And sadly, his basement flooded years ago and the cassette was ruined. A few years ago my husband and decided to go camping at campsite in the Ozarks that was a private camping area near a couple of cabins you could rent and someone with a permanent home on site. I've always had creepy experiences in the woods and rarely sleep, so I foolishly thought I'd sleep better near other humans. I also decided to take an edible that night to help me sleep, but I ended up staying awake with anxiety instead. My husband is a sound sleeper, Meanwhile I hear every sound. It was probably about 2 am and my husband is sound asleep, sawing logs when I realized all has gone silent outside. There had been a lot of normal forest noises, armadillo walking around, deer, etc., but now it was eerily silent. The next sound I hear is a tree falling down. It sounded huge. Loudly crashing. It wasn't anywhere near enough for me to see from my point but I definitely heard it. I should also say that this at least the third time I've been in the woods and either seen or heard a tree falling down. 
And once, a lone tree in the middle of the sunny woods was raining, it's weird enough when it happens in broad daylight, but this was creepy AF. No other noise afterward. Eventually the forest noises returned. But you can bet your ass I never went to sleep. The next day I tried to look around for it, but the property we were on bordered private land I couldn't hike on and never did see where it might have been. I realized nothing really happened, but I couldn't help thinking about the old question, if a tree falls in the woods, and there's no one around to hear it, does it make a sound? One day in the late 90s, I think it was in the summer, my ex and I took my young daughter hiking on a semi-remote trail in the neighboring county. The trail was all wooded and terminated at a small creek. There were no other cars at the trailhead and we passed no one on the way to the creek. When we arrived at the creek, we let our daughter play in the water a while then headed back up the trail the way we had come. About halfway up to the parking lot we found the upper half of a fawn in the middle of the footpath. It looked as if it had been cut in half with a cleaver, but there was no blood on the ground and no footprints of anything or anyone other than our own from when we had first come through. And all the organs in what was left of the body were intact. Then, we heard barking and a dog went through the trees up ahead as if it was chasing something. This has disturbed me ever since it happened. I can think of no reasonable explanation. If it had been a mountain lion there would have been a clean cut and would have been consumed. Also, why was it placed so neatly and bloodlessly in the middle of the trail for us to see? I live in central Missouri, and this incident occurred on an arm of the Devil's Backbone Trail in western Callaway County. I love to hike. I've done several parts of the Appalachian Trail, as well as, many other trails. I've run across weird people and creepy sounds plenty of times. But there is one spot near where Boone, North Carolina, Tennessee and Virginia meet that I hiked recently that really scared me to death. Nothing happened, I mean it wasn't a sound or person, it was just that spot. I was just filled with a dreadful feeling and the air seemed to be sucked out of that spot. My hiking partner felt it too. I don't know why, but it felt like we were going to die right there if we didn't leave at that very moment. We gotta move on and did not look back. The weirdest thing is we didn't talk about it. It's been three months now and if I bring it up, she changes the subject and won't discuss it. So I'm just left with this weird feeling. I will say, I'll never hike that area again. It actually crosses another area I've biked called the Virginia Trail, a wonderland for bikers and a bike trail I highly recommend. Just don't go up the part of the Appalachian Trail that bike path crosses, because that spot is about one half miles up from the crossing. It's just an evil piece of ground. Got lost a few hours into the woods as a teenager after getting into a particularly bad fight with my parents. Not knowing exactly where I was, I started panicking. Had a mini breakdown out there all by my lonesome from a bunch of different things happening at the time in my life, until I heard a woman's voice telling me this way. I'm all alone in the middle of the woods and this voice sounds like it's standing right next to me. I don't know what came over me, but I followed the directions of this voice for maybe a half hour until I came out onto a dirt road that led to a farmhouse with an old couple living there who let me use their phone. When I was lost there was nobody around me, and I always just rationalized it as me telling myself I heard someone while I was dealing with trauma, but whatever it was led me out of the woods, and possibly saved my life. This had to have been at least 12 years ago. I was in Alabama and my cousin wanted to go camping near an old wooden covered bridge, so he called his friend Drew to come with us. My cousin wasn't sure where the place was so by the time we found it, we had just enough light left to set up the tent and start a fire. We were near some slow-moving river that made a bend right where we were camping along the shore. On the opposite side of the river was a sheer rock face, I'd guess 90 to 100 feet high. Many beers into the evening, we decided to crash. 
All three of us woke up several times in the night to hear what sounded like rocks being rolled down the side of the cliff. I say rocks, but boulders may be slightly more accurate due to the sound of the splashes. It was obviously something very large and very heavy. We would have thought someone was just messing with us, but the size of the boulders required to make that ker-plump type of splash would have been too large for humans to move. We never found our way to the woods on top of that cliff the next day. I think they were too scared too, honestly. So yay, that was creepy. I do, however, wish we'd found a way to the source of where those had to have fallen from. Not backwoods exactly but I grew up on a farm with pastures. One field had a hay barn and was adjacent to the woods. When I was little I remember looking outside one night and seeing my dad's truck on fire in that field. He had gone down there to close a gate or something and it just spontaneously caught on fire. About 10 years later I was at a high school friend's house at the beach. I had this really powerful dream of an owl in a tree in that field and a strong association with my father. It was so weird that I almost called home to check on him. Anyhow nothing happened to my dad but a young healthy two-year-old bull had died randomly that night right near the area of my dream. Decades later my parents ended up subdividing the land and that became one of the parcels. I have no idea who bought it but I often wonder if anything happened. I guess everyone has heard about a Craigslist horror story, but no one expects to end up in one. I've been thinking about leaving the city life behind for a while now. I guess I couldn't stand the bustle of the city anymore and longed for a more remote life. I'd saved up quite a bit of money over the years and decided to buy a house. When I saw the prices though, my jaw dropped. I'd expected that buying a house was expensive, but I'd never thought that expensive. In my desperation, I opened Craigslist. I didn't expect to find anything there, but that's exactly what I did. The ad was as simple as it could be. Small house for sale, way below market value. I clicked on it in an instant. When I saw the price though, I was sure the seller had made a mistake. There was no way someone would sell a house that cheap. The place looked decent from what I saw in the pictures. Eventually, I found the seller's phone number and called him. I honestly expected the price to be a mistake. Hell, maybe it was all a scam. Instead, I found myself on a call with a man named Wilbert Johnson. When he told me the place was still available, the first thing I asked about was the price. The old man assured me there was no mistake. It was an old house, he said, in the middle of nowhere and he wanted to get the sale over with as soon as possible. There was a catch, though. He wanted the payment in cash only because he didn't trust the banks or any of the real estate agents. Some other people had shown interest before me, he said, but they'd all gotten cold feet at the mention of this. I didn't see a problem with it. Hell, things would be way quicker that way. I guess that was my first mistake. To make a long story short, a week later, on a Saturday morning, I found myself on the three-hour drive to old Wilbert's house. Which, I hoped, would soon be mine. When I arrived, the old man greeted me with a bright smile. He was a sturdy, hard man in his late fifties, from what I could tell. You Mark? He asked as he reached out to greet me. I nodded. Yes, sir. Well, that's the place, he said and stepped aside to allow me a better view of the small house. I had a look around for a bit before I stepped inside. The moment I did, the old floorboards welcomed me with a loud creak. The moment it happened, an anxious expression washed over the man's face. Guess you were right, I said laughing, the place is pretty old. It's sure his character though. When he heard that relief flooded over his face and his smile returned. Oh, that it has. Been living here for over 30 odd years. Now then. How come you're selling it that cheap? The old man was quiet for a bit. His eyes wandered for a bit before he sighed. Tell you what, there's no reason to keep it to myself. It's because of Lisa's disappearance. Lisa? Another sigh followed. My wife, 
Elizabeth. Been almost two months now since she vanished. Walked right out that door over there and never returned. No one's seen her, no one's heard a thing. Just like that, vanished without a trace. Shit, I'm so sorry. I'd no idea. Nothing to do with you, he cut me off. Did everything I could, talked to the neighbors, then the cops. Hell, they searched half the damned county, but they found nothing. I kept searching, but by now. His voice trailed off as he shook his head. Can't keep living here. Everything reminds me of her. That painting over there, she drew it a good 20 years ago. See that tablecloth? She bought it at a flea market a couple of years back. Isn't it beautiful, Wilbert? She asked. Been stuck with the ugly thing ever since. Whenever I see it, I can't help but wonder where she went and what happened to her. It's just too much, he broke up, his voice trailing off. I stood there, shuffling around, not sure what to say. I was never good at those things, people things, I mean. After a few moments, I opened my mouth when I heard something. It was a small quiet sound, like scratching. In a moment, old Wilbert stepped up to an old radio and turned it on. I stared at him as the music drowned out the sound. Sir, what are you? When he noticed my stares, he looked embarrassed and turned the radio back off again. Well, that's another reason the place is so cheap. So what's causing it? Ghosts. I stared at him, but his expression didn't change. I opened my mouth to inquire what the hell was up with that when he burst out laughing. God damn it, I'm pulling your leg. It's rodents. We've had problems with the damned beasts for half a decade now. Dunno where the buggers come from, but they sure are persistent. They're digging through the dirt outside and crawl into the walls. Never been able to figure out how they do it. Might as well be a cat in there, too. Heard they sometimes crawl after mice or cat and end up getting stuck. I shrugged. Well, I planned on renovating the place, anyway. Remember you telling me about that. I've got quite a bit of junk stored up. Been planning to give the place a good old once-over myself, but with Lisa going missing and all that, I never had time to do it. With that, he led me to his garage and presented me with an assortment of tools and materials. Tell you what, I'll add all of it to the house for free. God knows, I can't take it with me anyway and I sure as hell won't need it anymore. Take it as an apology for not telling you about the rodents beforehand. I thanked the old man wholeheartedly. Looking at the amount of stuff here, I might well be looking at half a grand, hell, maybe even more. We talked more while the old man led me through the house. Here and there he stopped me and told me what sort of renovations he'd planned and gave me detailed advice. Start with the second floor, use this and that material, do this that way and so on. It sounded like solid advice and I could tell the old man knew what he was talking about. Once the tour was over, we shook on the sail and I arranged to be back in a few days to finalize everything. The old man, in turn, told me he'd put together a little write-up of all his renovation advice. Once I was back, and I handed him the money, he sighed again. Guess there's one last thing I've got to tell you. This place, well, it's got a history. I looked up. First the rodents and now. What? It's probably all nonsense, he started shaking his head. But Lisa always talked about that stuff. She said back in the day when folks still owned slaves, there's been a lynching out here. Never gave much of a damn about those old tales, but. This time I couldn't help but laugh. Was he pulling my leg again? Tell you what, I never believed in any of it but Lisa swore she heard wailing and crying in the middle of the night. To be honest, I think it's just those damned kids down by the creek. What kids? There's this old shack down by the creek, not too far from here. Some local kids, teenagers mostly, hang out there, getting drunk and causing all kinds of trouble during the night. Well, it doesn't sound like anything I can't handle. It was a few minutes later that we shock on the deal. The old man handed me his notes and told me he'd written down his phone number. If I had questions about the renovations, I should call him. Once he'd driven off, I stared at what would be my new home. 
Quite the place, I thought. Sure, I'd have to put in quite a bit of work, but there was no way I'd get a cheap property anywhere. For the first couple of nights, I didn't sleep in the place. There was still all the old man's furniture in there. No, to feel comfortable here, I'd have to get rid of his stuff first. To be honest, it felt weird, disposing of someone's entire life and memories like that. Even worse was the damn scratching. It was there again and again. Sometimes it was quiet, sometimes it was more frantic. Maybe there really was a cat stuck somewhere. I shuddered a bit. I liked cats, and I didn't want to think about one of them suffocating in my walls. The next day my friend Mike arrived. I'd told him about the house I was buying and he said he'd be happy to help me out with the renovations. To be honest, I think he wanted to get away from his wife and kids for a bit. Do some good old handy work and share a couple of cool ones with an old buddy. Well, it's quite the place. You really got it that cheap? Yeah, it's because the place is haunted and there are mice in the walls. And rats and cats. Mike gave me a weird look. Come on in, I tell you all about it over a beer or two. As the two of us sat on the floor in what would one day be my kitchen, I told him all about old Wilbert and the stories he'd told me. As if to prove that I wasn't bullshitting him, the frantic scratching started again for a moment. He listened intently. Doesn't sound like mice to me. Could be rats, though. We're better of getting some poison or call an exterminator. I considered it for a moment, but then I shook my head. If we get an exterminator, they'll cover the entire place in chemicals or God knows what. I'd rather get started on the renovations. Mike shrugged. Well, I warned you, don't blame me if we find some giant rat colony in one of the walls here. We shared another beer before we started on the work. There was a lot to do. The floorboards were old and rotten in many places. The wallpaper was stained and old-fashioned and some partition walls had to go, I decided. Either way, we had a busy few days ahead of us, hell maybe even a week. It wasn't long before we retorted to the old man's method of turning on the radio. The scratching, while quiet, was still somewhat distracting. Mike and I made some decent progress the first day. At first, he wanted to get himself a hotel room in the nearby town, but after a bit of back and forth, he agreed to stay. We spent the evenings talking about old stories from high school and college, and often Mike would tell me about his wife and kids. As much as he told me he was happy to have some time away, I could tell he missed them already. During our third night at the place, he woke me up in the middle of the night. Dude, you hearing this? He asked me in a quiet, hushed voice. As I listened, I could hear the scratching, but there was something else. It was quiet, coming from quite a distance, but I was sure I heard it. It sounded as if someone was wailing or crying. I thought back to the old man's story about the lynching and what his wife had heard. Then I shook my head and remembered what he'd told me about the kids out here. Probably some drunk kids around. The old dude told me they're gathering down by the creek to get drunk. Maybe they thought it was fun to mess with the new guy. Mike nodded, but he still looked unnerved. Yeah, guess you're right. Wanna go out and teach them a lesson? I laughed but shook my head. There was no way I'd go out in the middle of the night to chase some teenagers. I also didn't want to become known as the local crazy guy. Eventually, we got back to sleep. Still, somehow my mind lingered on the story. That scratching, that wailing, there was. Something about it that didn't seem to fit. The next day, busy with renovations again, I'd already pushed all those thoughts away. Guess that was my second mistake. We doubled down on our efforts. Me trying to find a hint of those damned rodents and Mike most likely wanting to get out of here. He'd always been the superstitious type. When the wailing started again on the fourth night, Mike told me he'd get a hotel room if it would persist. I retorted that it was those kids again, but this time he wouldn't have it. Yeah, so you're telling me there's some group of kids out there that got nothing better to do in the middle of the night? Two times in a row? F man, I don't know. Maybe it's a cat stuck somewhere. I sure as hell don't believe there are any freaking ghosts. Mike grunted but said nothing. 
For a while, I considered going out there to figure out who or what was causing it, but not long after I drifted off to sleep again. At this point, we were on the fifth day of renovations. The place was almost barren by now. We'd started on the upper floor first. After that, we'd taken down the partition walls and had stripped down the old wallpaper. Not knowing too much about renovations myself, I'd followed the old man's guidelines almost to the letter. That was my third mistake. So, what else you want me to take care of? Well, you could clean the garage for starters and that lawn looks like it hasn't been cut in months. All right, hilarious Mark, he said when he saw the enormous grin on my face. Tell you what, I started, how about we take a bit of a break for the rest of the day? Tomorrow we take care of the floorboards down here and that's it. God knows those need to be replaced. As if to prove what I'd said, I switched my balance a bit, and the floorboards creaked in answer. Sounds good, but if we hear any weird noises again, I'm out of here. I sighed but nodded. Then I realized something. I had heard none of the scratching today. Maybe our ruckus had driven off whatever rodents had infested the place. I didn't know a damn thing about mice or rats. That night we sat together until long after midnight. I brought out my old laptop, and we spent the time with some old movies and a bottle of whiskey. Not a sound was heard all night. No more scratching and sure as hell no wailing. Told you there are no ghosts here, I slurred. Yeah, whatever, Mike said laughing. Taking care of the old floorboards was much tougher than I'd imagined, with a hangover that is. Still, somehow we made decent enough progress and by noon we were done with the first half of the house. Guess those rats really are gone, aren't they? I shrugged. Guess so, not a sound. To be honest, I half expected them to linger below those old boards. Sure hope they stay the hell away. We continued joking around and having a good time. It all changed when we found the basement. As we removed the floorboards in the old man's storage room, we stumbled upon an old hatch. Once our initial surprise was over we pried it open, revealing a staircase. All right man, what the hell? The basement, I guess, I said matter-of-factly. Yeah, I ain't blind, but why the hell's it hidden like that? Things still hadn't clicked. Who knows, maybe he just didn't use it. Hell, maybe it was infested by rodents so he sealed it off? Yeah, or it's his secret serial killer basement. Dude, not funny, I cursed. Alright, alright. You wanna check it out? As I looked down the dark stairs that led. Somewhere below a feeling of apprehension washed over me. I didn't feel so sure about my words anymore. Finally, I nodded. We each got a hold of a flashlight and started our descent. There was no light down there and for a moment I half expected the old hatch to be thrown shut by no other than old Wilbert himself. Shit man, this is creepy, I mumbled. Will you stop? I don't like this any more than you do. Once we'd made it down the stairs, we found ourselves in a small, damp room. It was empty. Small, isn't it? Sure is, I said. The entire basement was no bigger than one of the rooms above. Wasn't a basement usually the same size as the house? At least there are no rats, I said. Yeah, but this wall here is kinda weird. What do you mean? Well, he started, look at the moss and the dirt on all the others, this one's different. Looks kinda new to me. Now that he'd said it, I noticed it too. Sure, the wall was as damp as the rest, but there was no moss on it or anything. I watched as Mike reached out his hand and knocked against the wall. What are you doing? I asked. Shh, he shushed me. He went to one of the other walls and knocked there, then came back and knocked again. Sounds hollow. We both stared at each other. You think that's where the rodents came from? A minute later we were down there again, starting to tear down the wall. After a few heavy hits, the first of the bricks collapsed inwards. I instinctively took a step back, expecting rats or mice to pour from the hole, but there was nothing. We inched forward, peeking into the hole, and that's when we realized what this was. The second half of the basement. Mike had already gotten his flashlight and beamed inside. At first, 
We saw nothing, but then we saw something on the floor. No, not something. There's someone inside, I pressed out. We redoubled our efforts and soon we'd broken down enough of the wall to enter. The person inside had long gray hair, wore a dirty nightgown and was female. The old woman's face was frozen into a mask of perpetual terror and she was without a doubt dead. When I saw the long, bloody scratch marks all over the walls, it finally clicked. A moment later I was back upstairs and called to police, telling them what I'd found. There was no need for them to tell me the woman's name. The moment I'd understood what was going on here, I knew who she was. It was Elizabeth Johnson, the old man's wife.